0: and the Haymarket YouTube channel to access all of our upcoming events.
1: Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the second event in our Doppelgang Banger launch series. Uh, I am Courtney Lamar Charleston, the author of Doppelgang Banger and I'm really excited for uh, tonight's event. So, but first and foremost, thank you all if you're tuning in after coming to our first one. If you did show up to our first one with Kamone Felix and Morgan Parker, then you kind of have a feel for what's gonna go down tonight. But we're switching it up with uh, the incomparable Patricia Smith as well as the work of Nate Marshall. So I'll get into that in just a second. Um, I do want to be upfront and let everyone know that Nate will not be able to join us uh, himself this evening, Uh, but in keeping with the spirit of this series and what my intentions were in going about uh, putting these poets together, uh, I will be reading uh, selections from Nate's work tonight in his stead uh, as he tends to uh, some family matters. So uh, I want to say, you know, uh, I wanted to be upfront about that. Thank you f- um, for your understanding there and shout out to Nate and we send you love and uh, and to you and your entire family, bro, of always. Um, so with that being said, I want to begin before we get into the actual poetry festivities. I wanted to say something about both Patricia and Nate. So what we'll do first is I'll start reading their formal bios and then I'll kind of extemporaneously talk about why each of these folks uh, I wanted to create mutual space with. So let's start with the legend herself, Patricia Smith. Uh, Patricia Smith is the author of eight books of poetry, including Incendiary Art from Northwestern University Press published in 2017, which was the winner of the 2018 Kingsley Tufts Award, the 2017 LA Times Book Prize, the 2018 NAACP Image Award, and was a finalist for the 2018 Pulitzer Prize. So if you don't have that, please go cop, actually cop all Patricia's books. Uh, Patricia is also the author of should have been uh, Jimmy Savannah from Coffee House Press in 2012, winner of the Leonore Marshall Prize from the Academy of American Poets, and Blood Dazzler from Coffee House Press published in 2018, which was a National Book Award finalist. She is a Guggenheim fellow, an NEA grant recipient, a former uh, fellow at uh, Civitella Ranieri, Yaddo, and as well as McDowell. And Patricia is currently a professor in the MFA program at Sierra Nevada College and a distinguished professor at the City University of New York. She is at work on her first novel and second children's picture book. So if you you haven't figured it out, Patricia is prolific. And actually this short bio doesn't do justice to the incredible scope of Patricia's creative work. So if you need the full bio, Yep. Go to Google. It's your friend. Type in Patricia Smith and you're going to learn something. So that's Patricia. Uh, Nate, let me offer you you his bio. And this is also succinct, but could have been, you know, I think a lot more descriptive. I'm just like, dang, bro, you only gave me the short bio. Um, But Nate Marshall is the author and editor of numerous works, including Finna, which is his most recent uh, full-length poetry collection Wild Hundreds. Uh, he's been the editor of the Breakbeat Poets, uh, the New American Poetry and the Age of Hip-Hop uh, uh, anthology and he's been serving on the board there and he's also been behind the audio drama Bro Rabbit and the Fantastic Telling of Remington Ellis Esquire. He teaches creative writing and literature at Colorado College and he says this himself, he has bars, which he does. You know, I just find that part, I just find that part of the bio funny because I'm just like Okay, mate. Um, but you know, uh, there's there's one thing uh, that's definitely uh, a linkage here uh, for the poets involved, and that's Chicago, right? So Chicago is going to be, uh, you know, a prevalent theme for this particular reading um, within the within the context of banger It's definitely place is definitely of importance, right? Place as marked by people, places marked by relationships, places marked by um, including, you know, emotional feelings of displacement even too. Um, So, you know, it made sense to bring together poets I admire that also can represent and speak to the places that are important to this manuscript, this collection, uh, and who uh, can speak to that. And then each of them individually, even with that criteria there, um, I chose for, for different reasons. So Patricia is just a... A guiding light for so many poets, especially of my generation. We all look to Patricia, her her brilliance, her generosity, um, her caring. It's a, it's a real model for us. And, you know, Patricia, it's for with you, um, you've made space for so many of us, not just through the production of your work, but You've personally made that space for us. You've made us feel comfortable as we, you know, did our own migrations from the stage to the page as we were, you know, questioning our places in this project of poetry. And, you know, it's, no one can deny, right, your, the rigor of your work. No one can deny the the depth, the brilliance, the importance and the significance. But I think it's that personal element that's been the most like, The most important for me personally and and the most surprising because you don't always get to experience that with people that you truly value and admire in that way and who give you inspiration. Um, and I know I'm not alone in saying that, like, you know, when I talk to the homies, like everybody gushes about you because you deserve it. Right. And um, and you being from Chicago yourself is just like icing on top. <laughs> Ridiculously sweet cake. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it, you know, you you are the queen. You are the legend. Uh, there's really I, I, it's I, I really I can't even truly capture in words. Right. Like um everything I want to say. so I'm doing my best to 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 transcribe against the air and hope that the feeling and the in the intent catches you and I appreciate so much that you were willing to be here tonight so much that you spent time with this book before it's release, that you read it, that you blurbed it uh, and uh, I just look forward to you know our relationship continuing from here this is just, one more marker in that journey together. And I, I'm really appreciative uh, of you and towards you for that. Thank you. Uh, um, and again, thank you so much for, for, for being here tonight. And, uh, Nate, Nate is, a uh, another important, important poet for me. Uh, Nate and I have now known, have known each other since high school. So Nate, oh. I, you know, I must've been what, 16 when I met him, he's a few months ahead of me. Um, But you know, I add up the math, and it's like, dang, that's over a decade. And 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 I didn't start writing until several years after that. But Nate's one of the people. He's one of the reasons why I'm a poet. Like, if I just truly, you know, think about it and break it down, Um, he was someone I looked to as I was searching, you know, for my own passions, my own voice. And um, he's someone, you know, who I could relate to, um, who you know, whose example I could follow, whose mind I could follow too, right? Like it's, it's not like the kinship is not just in, in, uh, you know, being from a, you know, this, uh, you know, that same Chicagoland expanse, it's not just from being the same age. It's, it's, it's truly like, I truly appreciated his, his mind And and the way he looked at the world and kind of parsed it out, uh, it felt very similar to me. But since then, right, you know, as I've been on my own journey, Nate's kind of been a constant presence there. Um, Our work is in conversation with each other through and through. Um, You know, he's you know, uh, whenever he's got something new, I'm always eager to read it or, 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 whatever we're trading, but, you know, back and forth, we talk, you know, history, talk politics, talk sports, um, you know, all, all of that. So it's, 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 it's a real, it's, it's been one of the most profound and intriguing relationships in my entire life. And, you know, didn't know it would develop that way, but it has. And it's, and I just, you know, I wouldn't be here today without Nate. The book wouldn't have been at Haymarket without Nate. He was part of the force that that helped get it there. That was you know his initiative, and um, in helping bring it to Haymarket, and it was a perfect match and the perfect home for it. And he recognized that, and um, and yeah. So I, I owe Nate a lot. So when he you know was unable to be here tonight, the only thing I could sensibly do in that in in that moment was like, okay, he can't he can't be here, but. I'm gonna do all the Nate jams. I'm gonna hit Nate poems. I'm gonna try to read some that maybe don't get read as much. Like I was just trying to like make sure that uh, I got a chance to celebrate his work tonight the way I wanted to, um, as part of the the spirit of this whole series, which is bringing in poets who I love. Um, and who you know whose work speaks to my work and, and vice versa. I hope so. Um, so yeah. So that's kind of the opening, the opening spiel. And uh, with that being said, I guess we can finally get to the poems themselves. Uh, so, without further ado, Patricia, if you want to take the mic first, and then I'll follow your lead.
2: Um. Sure. I wanted to say one quick thing mm-hmm. is uh, I'd like to thank um, you for um allowing me to be a part of the work and also i'd like to thank you for what you've taught me uh it's a continuing kind of tunnel of energy back and forth i always feel that and i don't think that i or anyone else will ever reach the point where there is nothing to learn from those we love and your work just astounds me um and i'm very honored to be here thank you so much And Chicago. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Nate, I know you're going to see this later. I miss you. I love you. Uh, Nate and I are in constant war, south side, west side. I mean, just that's the thing, you know, because you know how the west side is the best and everything. And Nate disagrees. So uh, this was uh, it's actually a poem about my my mom. And. um, the Perfume Evening in Paris, which at my age, we all used to buy our parents, especially our father used to get Brute, and our mother would get Evening in Paris because it was on sale at Woolworths. So, burly Alabama gal called it smell good, and she sloshed that flashy slap of Evening in Paris over and into everything. She spritzed it into bathwater, already reeking of two violet bubbles, used it to finish off her stringy hair once it was suitably tamped down with oil and iron, soaked cotton balls and popped them into the corners of bureau drawers crammed with Baptist-sanctioned panties and playtex. Chicago met North Star. Chicago said, stink pretty. That flowery ruckus, dime store exotic, clung to my mother, bled into her skin, pummeled the air she'd escaped to. It trailed her like the train of a shredding gown to the corner store, to the check cashing place, to the front pew of Milgram Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church, to the assembly line of Leaf Brands Candy Company, where she stuffed sugared shells with toxic chocolate. Everyone knew everywhere she'd been, and I knew better than to ask her if she even knew where Paris was, or why its evenings boomed the way they did, or why those midnight blue bottles of her perfu- preferred perfume were always lined up right next to the register at Woolworths, each one cheaper than a back to school pack of notebook paper. Chicago said, reek like a city girl. Chicago said, reek like a city girl. So for years, she pumiced rough feet raw to rid them of that dogged Alabama dust, flinched every time and ain't I ain't never or they done been had slipped out into the world around her tongue. She slathered on creams that steadily dyed her unearthly bright, plucked nappy hairs from her chin, scarred scalp with lye and fiery combs studied at the prim pink feet of Lucille Ball. Chicago screeched. You looking like new money now, Annie Pearl. You're smelling just like a white woman. But Chicago lies out of habit. It is always outright lied to its migrants with its rugged mouth. It lies like a head of processed hair under the red lights of last call. If you want truth, Press your nose against the landscape of a West Side woman. Smell the Saturday morning chitlin assembly line, the spew of roach spray, that jar of grease in that can by the stove. Smell that double Dutch sweat, pressing oil, scorched roots, and the burn scar. Smell that dimming remnant of Southern dust, the unmade burphy bed screeching into the wall, that trapped mouse skittering rumba in the hallway, the wild red price tag of discount Remy. Chicago says, ain't no otherwise to you, woman. Smell a West Side woman and you will no doubt ride the sugary stench of the side of the city she is. You will smell evening in Paris and way too late in Lawndale, twice fried perch glued with hot sauce to its cardboard box, Wonder Bread dripping with scrapings and pot liquor. You will smell mothers obsessed with Sears catalogs and reaching for countries they will never see. You will smell every lie Chicago ever told them, all those bladed syllables that named them holy and made them impossible to love. Mm. Mm. West side. <laughs> you see, I'm you see, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm baiting you. It's like West
1: side. Yeah, but we, we're going to take it to the South side with this next poem. All right. So uh, I'm going to start with uh, from Nate's uh, first collection, Wild Hunted's. Uh Harold's Chicken Shack number one with uh, the epigraph from common. I was born by a lake chicken shack in a church. Uh, now I've got the now i got the song in my head, the morning, and now I got it in my head. Okay, back to the poem. Back to the poem. <laughs> Harold's Chicken Shack number one. First defense against food desert. Yes. When the white folk wouldn't sling us burgers, you gave no fuck. Stuck your golden ringed hand into the flower and fixed the bird. You first example of black flight, original innovation of deep fry. You beef tallow, city slick and down home migration taste. Of course, your sauce sweet and burn at the same time. Of course, you call it mild so white folk won't know to fear until it's too late. You know corporate structure, just black business model. They earn the recipe and go make it their own. Every cut of crow you throw in the grease is dark meat. The whole shack, shaken, drenched in mild sauce, sweet spirit, baptized.
2: Damn, you came up with the Harold piece. Harold's oh. heralds. Oh. herald's. Miles sauce. Um, okay. Uh, I am um, going to read um, a, I'm going to read the golden shovel from, I had a Gwendolyn poem that uh, I didn't get in in time. So I wanted to read the, um, the Golden Shovel that is uh, based on um, her poem about Emmett Till. Mm. Emmett Till, and, and the thing about Chicago, one of the things I talk about so often, especially in my generation, The picture from Jet Magazine of Emmett in his open casket was was used as um, a survival mechanism for black mothers and fathers. It was it was in the house. It Mm -hmm. was uh, tacked to a wall somewhere. It was on the refrigerator. It was in your mama's wallet. You know, and so if you acted up or didn't get home on time or took chances you shouldn't take, the picture would be pulled out. And it was always kind of over our heads like this is what can happen to you Mm -hmm. if you don't learn your place. You know, Um, and so that that picture loomed large in my childhood. Uh, So this is, I think, a little bit more about about Mamie uh, Till. Black poured directly into the wound. Prairie winds blazed through her tumbled belly and Emmet's red yesterdays refused to rename her any kind of mother. A pudge-cheeked otherwise, sugar whistler, her boy is, through the fierce clenching mouth of her memory, a grays and shadows child. Listen, once she was pretty, Windy hues goldened her skin. She was pert, brown-faced, in every wide way the opposite of the raw, screeching thing chaos has crafted. Now, threaded awkwardly, she tires of the sorries, the Lord have mercies. Grief's damnable tint is everywhere, darkening days she is no longer aware of. She is gospel revolving, repeatedly emptied of light, pulled and caressed, cooed upon by strangers, offered pork and taffy. Boys in the street stare at her, then avert their eyes as if she killed them all, shipped everyone into the grips of Delta. She sits, her chair carefully balanced on hell's edge and pays for sanity and kisses upon the conjured forehead of her son. Beginning with A, she recites, angry, awful, away, the alphabet of a world gone red. Coffee scorches her throat as church ladies drift about her room, black garb sweating their hips, filling cups with tap water, drinking, drinking in glimpses of her steep undoing. The absence of a black room full of boy is measured. Again, again. In the clutches of coffee, red-eyed, Mamie knows their well-meaning murmur. One says, she a mama still. Once you have a child, you're always a mama. Kisses in multitudes rain from their dusty Baptist mouths, drowning her. Sit still, she thinks, till they remember how your boy was killed. She remembers. Gush and implosion, crushed, slippery, not a boy. Taffeta and hymnals all these women know, not a son lost and pulled from the wretched and rumbling Tallahatchie. Mamie, she of the hollowed womb, is nobody's mama anymore. She is tinted echo, barren. Everything about her makes the sound sorry. The white man's hands on her child, dangled eye, twanging chaos, things she leans on, the only doors that open to let her in. Faced with days and days of no hymn, she lets Chicago, windy, pretty in the ways of the North, console her with its boorish grays. A hug, more mourners and platters of fat meat. Will she make it through? Is this how the face slap of sorrow changes the shape of a mother? All the boys she sees now are laughing, drenched in red. Emmett in dreams sings, I am gold. He tells her how dry it is, the prairie.
1: I love that poem so much. Thank you. Uh, letting it sink in a little bit so that was the the golden shovel a golden shovel and uh obviously you can't think about that but that thing about miss brooks the next poem i got here uh invokes uh another of our stars our guiding lights and that's lucille clifton Um, This one is titled, uh, and also is from Wild Hundreds, this one's titled, Learning Gang Handshakes. (laughs) 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 My one hand holding tight to the neighborhood, stubborn and still, this hand has never been crooked, never cradled the love or hate side of a pistol, never punched with no regret. My hand is small, hairless as a newborn, my wrist thin as a promise breaking. This is shaking up in the park. The big boys have deemed me not soft today. They see the way I ball, a blur in menace, wild as a punch landed in the wrong stomach or a bullet through the big picture window lodged into a living room wall. I dive into concrete for the loose ball stroke heavy at arms, swim in a pool of blood that we still won't call a personal foul. Mm. Have you played a pickup game running red from three distinct places on your person? If not, then don't throw up any sign of the South Side. When the big boys taught me how to hug with palms, I learned the secret. Shaking up looks like violence and love. Mm. And it is. The fingers at the end freeze in a pose like sutra, bent only an inch away from breaking. Both partners in the dance of hands know. They could crush the knuckle of the other. They know all is one. They whisper this fusion in Mean Mug, my other hand, come celebrate. Wow, Nate's pretty good. Yeah, Nate, you know? Gotta say, he's got a future in this business, huh? Yeah, he might, he might, he's he decent. <laughs>
2: Oh, okay. West this is uh, a, a poem about the um, the uh, Madison Street bus. The um, I grew up in the area that, uh, after King's assassination, it was pretty much burned flat, mm-hmm. and much of it remained flat uh, for years and years until someone looked down Madison and said hey, that's downtown right there. And uh, buildings started springing up there where we were not welcome. The West Side doesn't even look like the West Side anymore to me. I actually was, the last time I was there, I saw a white woman riding a bicycle. And I I still can't, I mean, just straight down Washington Boulevard. I was like, wow. I thought I'd never seen anything like that. But this is uh, a ride on the, Madison Street Bus, but the old Madison Street Bus. So it mentions a couple of businesses that were around when I was a kid. Tavern. Tavern. Church. shutter Tavern. Then Goldblatt's with its finger-smeared display windows full of stifled plaid pinafore and hard-tailored serge, each unattainable thread cooing the delayed lusciousness of layaway. Another church then, of course, Jesus pitching a blustery bitch on every other block, then the butcher shop with, inexplicably, the blanched, archaic head of a hog propped upright to lure waffling patrons into the steamy innards of yet another storefront, where they drag their feet through sawdust and revel in the come hither bouquet of blood. Then a vacant lot, then another vacant lot right up against a shoe store specializing in unyielding leather all-stars and glittered stacked heels designed for the Christian woman daring the jukebox then the what-not joint with vanilla ice long johns, wax lips crammed with sugar water notebook paper, swollen sour pickles buoyant in a splintered barrel, school supplies pixie sticks, licorice whips and vaguely warped 45s by Fontella Bass or Johnny Taylor. Now, ooh, what What's that blue pepper piercing the air with the nouns of backwood and cheap delta cuts, neck and gizzard, skin and claw. It's the chicken shack, wobbling on a foundation of board, grease riding relentless on three of its walls. The slick cuisine served up in white virgin cardboard boxes with Tabasco nibbling the seams, scorched wings under soap slices of wonder, blind perch fried limp, spice like it's a mistake Mississippi done made. And speaking of, July moans around a perfect perfume tangle of eight Baptist gals on the corner of Madison and Warren, fanning themselves with their own impending funerals. Fluid filled ankles like tree trunks sprouting from narrow slingbacks, choking in Sears' best cinnamon tinged hose, their legs so unlike their arms and faces. On the other side of the street is everything they are trying to be beyond, everything they are trying to ignore. The great promise of government, 25 floors of lying windows, of peeling grates called balconies, of yellow panties and shredded diapers fluttering from open windows, of them nasty girls with wide avenue hips stomping double dutch in the concrete courtyard, spewing their woman verses, too fueled and irreversible to be not listened to and wiggled against, and the Madison Street bus revs its tired engine backs up a little for traction, and drives smoothly into the sweaty space between their legs, which might be the only route out of the day we're riding through.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. And uh, I think uh, as you were reading the poem, Patricia, I was just starting, I was just thinking, and like one of the things that I guess I love, right, about place-based work, right, is, is the is when the the poet you know, gets, gets real, you know, just adds those, those specific details like that just are so intrinsic to their personal view of the world. And like, I I don't don't know, I love, I love that. And it also makes me think about, um, about place in general and kind of like, when I say Chicago and like the, like what that evokes in me is like, you know, Chicago is a big place, but what it, what it brings out within me, it's like, it's, it's about, it's about, you know, these smaller spaces and these small moments, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you, know, it, it, you know, when I say Chicago, what is, what that is, that's like, that's, that's my granny's house. That's Halstead. That's, <laughs> you know, that, that's church. You know what I mean? That's my church. It's my, it's, it's, it's certain people. And, um, and I, I, I think like I love how that manifests itself uh, in, in people's work when they're when they're touching on place. Like I, I just I don't know. So that's what, where it made me think it's just fitting for this. Yeah. reading.
2: Well, West Side was, you know, when I was growing up, it was um, it was the place everybody told you to stay away from. Right. You know, and 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 to sort of kind of figure out, figure that out with my viewpoint of. There's the brothers at the gas station on the corner who watch me come home every day and make sure I get home all right. You know, there's the barbershop right there. There's the place your mother told you to stay away from. Here's the L coming up. You know, and it, it was just I I try to be as specific as possible to conjure what I saw to let people know that it was a great place to live. Right. You know, it was, and, and I think of it fondly all the time, but it's it's amazing now how people who've never even been to Chicago hear West Side and they think, oh, that's what they talk about on the news all the time. Right. You know, but no, it was that warmth. It was that that mm-hmm. church and,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: the corner store and the pickle barrel.
1: <laughs> right. No, abs- absolutely. And I think that's one of the tension points I always have when folks, you um, mention Chicago because it's used in this very, like, you know, contemporarily it's using often used in, in this very derogatory sense. And, um, it, and it's obviously imbued with a really racist politics right behind it. Oh, yeah. so, so I struggle with that, but you know, there's so much love there so much. And like, that's actually one of the things that really characterizes Nate's work <clears throat> you can't like, it's it's filled with so much love and if you read it i don't know how you can read these poems and not love chicago regardless of whether he's talking about something intimate and beautiful or something brutal sure love is still there and that's why i love this work so um with that one i guess the next poem i'll read i think this will be the last one i read from wild hundreds uh uh prelude prelude He must've moved out the neighborhood when I was little. I bet he could ball, probably could dunk. Maybe he rapped now. Maybe he is the boy on every wall. We ain't got graffiti over here like for real art stuff, but maybe in the eighties, he was optimistic. This was his all city attempts all over the hood. Maybe he ain't a he. In the time before the folks nation ran everything over here, maybe the presiding clique was Rip. I see it everywhere. Rip, Pierre. Rip, Berg. Rip, D. Rip, Madman. Maybe Rip is a girl. I see her name next to all the bad boys. All the big boys my mama told me not to fool with. Maybe she's all their girlfriends at once, but they all gone. No wonder she keep finding new boys
2: to kiss. Wow. (sighs) We miss you, Nate, Libra. you're right. Why doesn't everybody want to live in Chicago? I'm having that argument all the time in New York. (laughs) All the time. Um, hmm. All right. So I'm going to get this long piece out of the way. It's probably the last time I can read it. It's a, it's a 2020 goodbye, 2020 poem. And, um, it, uh, it kind of came from talking to some people about how much they missed touch. Um, Mm -hmm. And in some people touch meant touch and some people touch meant sex, some, you know, uh, and so I, I started out thinking about that, but it wound up being kind of a thing that kind of bounced around in 2020 a little bit. And, um, okay. So for everybody who misses touch. And this probably be, I don't know, it's long enough, it'll probably be the last one, but in track. check. Uh, one, you always thought it's only touch I want, until what you were given was too much of it. Those savvy droplets drift and swerve, careening through your blood and finding it, their needled clutch the same as murder stifling lungs with mud and scraping your collapsing throat with all its fitful blades, the virus is a flood of mercy's absence. In its lethal thrall, you pray in tongues you swear you never owned, a fevered moan mangling the nouns you long assumed were God. Lord, I atone for my whole life. That utter lie is bound to trail you back into breathing, straight back into lying, straight back to your place in line. Two, on fire with George's body burn to trifle in its quest to writhe and flail to twist away. Who knew he'd need to learn the firepower of a knee, the knife-like wail of boulevard beneath a face, how best to die, hashtagged and wide aloud and pinned like prey and folding slave into his voice. Sir, I, I cannot breathe. And did you hear him say, I want my mama? like a man who saw his mama's face dead as it was and reached out for her Baptist heft with his whole raw and thinning throat, a phlegmy no shit screech that trended till his mama rose to see her man child crawling home, his neck beneath a knee. Three, the fire eats the firewood gone. It haunts, devours a whole bodega's quivered shell and scars the hands of marchers as they chant, insist they matter. The hissers swell, these boys are proud, their pink distended guts are jailhouse inked with shaky silhouettes of whores they claim to love, prancing swastikas and misspelled spit. It is their comic threats that grant them spine, those bandoliers, the bullets lined up and aching forward, screeching names you recognize, the names of your brothers and your sons. The guns are hefted, ludicrous, and almost never taking aim, although the boys swear they are one with the wrath of God. Four. Alone with sheer repetition, you must turn away from the pile of bodies, all the lost and becoming gossamer, the fallen, spurned, the unacknowledged, tubed and ventilated, tossed to the hallway, the heralded, the walked the hell away, the panther and the valentine, the spectacle justice, careening mamba, the trouble, good and necessary. No, every morning does not have to be crafted of their names. It is the only, it is only the idea of heaven pressing hard upon our heads, bulging with their bodies. And this is only if you are black and were raised Baptist. Child, you will die of counting the dead. They are in their silk beds, beneath the wheels of patrol cars. There is even one waiting for you at the end of your life. Five. You turn to face only yourself. You see that even the air is aging you. The air is what you need to live, but it's also a compromise of killers. Air is haven for ancient snot, life to the polar cap, home for the ash that dances up from the skin of the dead. Try not to think of the wars air has waged on your body, how hard you trusted its nurture, how you must now mask yourself against it. It said that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but what if what makes you stronger can't stop trying to kill you? Oh, we're being silly. Take a deep breath, breathe. What? You can't breathe out again? I warned you. Six. The man is a crude lyric trapped inside a mouth throbbing with rot. Whenever he speaks, what tumbles out is always instruction, rancid as sewage, dictation for his overwrought soldiers, monosyllabic gospel from the god of Oxford and wingtip, the god of washed money and atmospheric tax bracket, the god of men who see no need to wash their legs because suds like money flow from the top and disappears everything beneath. He knew a black man once, Old what's-his-name, old good old what's-his-name, who suckled his children, no, who gleamed a mean boot, who bowed reverently at perfect angle, who probably hated him, who spat phlegm into his whiskey, who still waits for him, hiding that same fist in his pocket, that same blade behind his eyes. Seven, you cannot open a door that has never been closed. Don't misconstrue what is waiting for us. Someone will call you nigger this year, same as the last. It will be whispered with just a tinge of spittle. Someone will say your American name, African-American man, African-American woman, into a cell phone. You will be reported for walking, for eating, for breathing toward the wrong subdivision, for insisting upon your given name. In Long Island, New York, when they see you coming, two boys will pose, laughing, one with his knee on the neck of the other. In Alabama, where your mother was born, a young girl holds the sign, Black Lives Splatter, and it will look as if someone, maybe the girl flung fun droplets of red paint all over the placard and is proud of her work because when the camera finds her, she grins. Goddammit, she grins and history binds your hands before you can slap her. Eight, your utter blueness, wretched like the South in 1950. You've unearthed Gut Bucket, brown liquor music, the needle romancing that same growling groove. Suddenly, you know why Aretha took on all that body on top of her own. Why that woman shot Sam Cooke what Whitney saw in the water. Your government has cursed you with a solitude, threatened you with no less than a slow, breathless end to your days. So you torch sage and converse with all the nappy headed ghosts you have gathered and with both the sun and the moon who are already so done with your ass and its endless diary. For months, it's been you and your keyless crooning, songs with new revelations about bitches, songs with no discernible words, songs about lonely people so damned out of love with their aloneness, but if they merely spoke to each other, it could kill them. Nine, is this 1950? Damn it, all we ask is that we stop magically slipping cuffs and murdering ourselves in the musty back of squad cars, that they stop finding our bodies in the middle of the goddamn day dripping from the arms of trees, that skittish cops don't see cocked gun in a cocked guns in our faces, in our cell phones, in bottles of soda, in the stairwell, in our mama's yard, in mixtapes, in our wallets, in our beds, behind closed doors, through the window, in our empty upraised hands, in the backs of our heads. We've run out of space on our memorial sweatshirts, the ones that name all those slings and arrows of outrageous fortune all the times, Mama Lucille, that something has tried to kill us and has not failed. We have run out of room for the lineup of names their mamas gave them, trusting they would live long enough to own them. And the font gets smaller and smaller. Soon we will run out of shirt. Then we will run out of skin. Then we will run out of breath. And that is all you ask. 10, a tongue can bust open borders, a pen can make a whole throat, can take down the words of a father who is grio of the front porch, who hauled his verbs all the way from Mississippi and his Northern daughter throws back her head and wails that same music to the rafters. And the Reverend Thomas or the Reverend Williams or the Reverend Green will tell you that they write with the hand of God, that their impossible rollick and moonwalk on Sunday morning is the Lord's message, messing with their bones. You can see a tongue can make saviors. Don't let anybody human put their hands on your palms because what you need to say, you need to say. I'm almost done. 11, come, it will be hard. You'll scream. You'll curse your mask and rip it off. You will have to remember how to breathe full and fluid. Your first attempts will be laughable. Gulp, choke, and sputter. Thousands will call you a fool. You will see enemy adrift in the air. You are part of a conspiracy. See, you did not die and neither did I, they'll say. There are a million more dangerous things. Hell, everything more or less is out to kill you. Yes, it is, you'll say. Then you'll smile. Nothing has changed. 12, how hard can it be to crack the stubborn rust of us? We often think of a new year like a page turning, but what if the words are foreign, crackling under their own weight, scripted in a fresh and feral blood? I really just want my root back. I want my Alabama mother, who I do not love, not to die. I want to fit all your wriggle and strain into the circle of my arms, and I want to not die before loving all of you wide and aloud. I want the page to not turn, not to turn until we have wrestled control of the story away from those who would trumpet it as their own. Think of the many who have pretended our skin. I said that I do not love my mother, and it was a long, long road to saying that. Sometimes the scenery along that road was too much to take. Sometimes there was nothing to see. What rides your skin like the crave of a kiss? Let's say that in this year, as in all the others, you strive to be happy, to drench yourself in shea and rosewater, to listen only to music that threatens your heart and shows you why to weep. Let's say you don't give this new year a number, but a reason to bother you awake. Write poems that slice into your sleep, roughly shoving your dreams aside. Remember that happiness is truth, twitching beneath all its mad disguises. If you do not love your mother, say that. If you cannot love your father, say that. If you do not love yourself, say nothing. Just give me time to reach you. Last one. So now you know that touch is what you want. It's firewood for your body. It's the burn that eats the firewood gone. Inside your haunt, alone with repetition, where you turn and turn to only face yourself, what you become is lyric trapped inside a mouth that cannot open. Don't you misconstrue your utter blueness, wretched like the South in 1950. Damn it, all you ask is for a tongue to bust your borders, just to come so hard you stutter and melt your mask to shreds, so hard you crack the stubborn rust that rides your skin. Your crave is to be kissed in 2021. I wish you this.
1: All right. I'm going to need everybody to just take a second and think about what just happened to you. <laughs> just, Oh my God.
0: Whew.
1: Oh man.
2: Happy, happy 2021, everybody.
1: Woo see for all the poets on the, uh, who are watching tonight that's why time but just said you read before patricia smith all right that's why you read before patricia smith okay um but thank you so much for that Oh, i've got so much i have to meditate over in that oh my god um
2: thank you so much for giving me the space and the time to read it i really truly appreciate that cuz it's a 2020 i won't be able to read it too much longer and uh, it's like in the middle of it, I go, this is long. And I was looking at your eyes like, OK, he's not rolling his eyes yet. We're good. We're
1: good. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, no, absolutely. That's exactly what I wanted. So that I am happy, happy with that. So um, I'm going to read one more Nate poem and then I'm going to read a poem from Doppelganger, and then right. uh, to take us home uh, for the evening. Uh, so the last one from Nate, uh, I'm, I'm deciding to flip to When I Say Chicago uh, from Nate's new collection, uh, Finna. When I say Chicago, capital city of the flyover, crown jewel of the jailhouse, a town in love with its own blood, a blood brown on its own history and funk hometown of the riot and the riot gear, the gang and the loitering law, misfit blocks of dark-skinned cousins and thick-knuckled Slavic uncles who call each other their worst names. Hmm. What does country know about a rust belt dipped in salt and vinegar and sold as marked up and rustic? My city is the city not your close enough suburb not subject to the suppression of tape and the tape and the tapping of phones how can you say anything about our blocks and schools and children that you refuse to see don't tell us what is wrong with all of our cousins you've never known you do not govern what you do not love when i say chicago I mean the first Haitian cat who could pronounce it right. When I say Chicago, I mean the stopped and frisk. I mean the euphemism of frisk. I mean the beat down and tight cuff. I mean the drop off in Bridgeport or Mount Greenwood. I mean the lessons taught to an uppity one. When I say Chicago, I mean the lake. And I mean all of it. (laughs) I mean the candy lady at Rainbow and the Paletta man at Calumet and the kids careening across the green at Montrose and the jogger in midwinter daring a death for fitness. When I say Chicago, I mean Cabrini and Stateway and Ikes and Ida, the city I'll tell my kids about in the past tense. I mean the rents that sometimes make me mean Georgia or Indiana or Dalton. When I say Chicago, I mean the restaurants with no chairs, just a window, a bulletproof sneeze guard. I mean a Michelin star for all the ethnic slang in their season meets and language. When I say Chicago, I mean my mama's house that was my grandma's house. I mean the neighborhood that was our neighborhood, because we said we'll make a home here and we'll stay.
2: Mm. Mm. Mm.
1: Uh, that boy good. That's all the city right there. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That boy good. Mm. Okay. So uh, to take us home, uh, I'm gonna read one from a uh, doppelganger. Um, which uh, I guess is the, you know, the, the reason we're all gathered here t- tonight in some ways, but um, you know um, I tried to think real hard about which one to read, but I'm gonna settle on, um, actually I'll, I'll read Hip Hop Introspective. It's the, uh, the second poem in the book, um, but we'll go here. Hip Hop Introspective, starting point, South Side, Chicago, mid nineties, the glory days, rocking my high top fade. I'm mesmerized by a poster on my uncle's wall, the black tinted sunglasses, Jamaican dreads, young Stevie Wonder sitting beside the smiling Bob Marley, looking like the two sides of a DJ's vinyl, something to be sampled, cut, and sold like substances I'm not wise to yet. Mm. When records spin, I listen. This is how children learn here, how they become, come into everything they already are. See, my classmates and I come from all over, from something, from nothing, but come to the same school, on the same bus, religiously as though we were actually confirmed Catholics. Every day, our ears dialed into 107.5 WGCI. Every ride, repeating every word, nodding our heads like we have naps on the brain. Nappy or not, the bus speakers are blowout combs. We are Afro-American kids, the music more fitting for us than the collared shirts for black boys, plaid skirts for black girls. It sounded like us from the inside of our mama's wounds, new Jack's with kick and somehow still too explicit, gritty, aggressive skins we will grow into to be killed softly. One girl I talk with has braids like Lauren Hill, six years old, already has to let herself into her grandmother's empty apartment, handle keys. Somewhere there is a guitar she will never play. In due time, she will be the one who tells me Tupac is dead and a blood relation of mine soon goes in the same way, distantly from me. The Crossroads music video begins to haunt me. Biggie bites a few bullets. My next door neighbors get burglarized, not in Southside proper though, it moves closer than it already is on our daily drive. I move farther out when mom gets a better job. Dad needs a wheelchair now, a hard knock life. I miss hearing boys to men and blacks everywhere I go. Even the name Backstreet sounds stolen to me. Meanwhile, an album on miseducation has only my pictures inside. I hide my intelligence from my peers as an act of protection. Eminem gives all of them an excuse for making conversation with me and I hate Mathers for it for at least four years. Kids ask what FUBU means. White girls look at me constantly, DMX, Never seems to be screaming. The underground heads north on my playlist while an old poster peels away from the wall. I'm beside myself almost always. A side, B side. Thank you so much. Thank you, Patricia. Um, thank, thank you, you Courtney. For- uh, no better place to be
2: tonight. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh no, it, it's my honor, my pleasure, and I'm just so grateful for you to join tonight, and um, grateful to Nate as well for for he, his person and his work. Grateful to everybody who tuned in tonight, who watched and listened and and vibed out with us. Thank you to the staff at Haymarket for doing this again after last week and. Uh, thank you to our wonderful captioner who's making the, the the words more accessible to everybody at home. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, buy Patricia's books, buy Nate's books, uh, pick up Doppelgangbanger, all of that good stuff. We've got one more event on the schedule for next Thursday, March 4th. That is going to be the final kind of capstone in this series. Uh, It's going to be myself reading uh, more extensively from the collection, but I'll be joined by Jose Olivares and Julian Randall. So, you know, blowout, (laughs) blowout, a little bit more Chicago coming coming your (laughs) way. Um, But um, I'm looking looking forward to that event. I hope y'all join us for that one too. Um, Again, if y'all spent this time with us, thank you so much. And you you have a great rest of the night, rest of the day if you're on the West Coast. Thank you.
2: Thanks, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, subscribe to our podcast and to the Haymarket Books YouTube channel, where events like this one are hosted live. And don't forget to check out haymarketbooks.org.